Welcome to our Sunday morning praise and worship service. My name is Ronnie Coston, the Associate Pastor. Thank you for joining us for a time of celebration of praise and thanksgiving. In just a few moments, Pastor Dave McGee will bring the message for us today. Dogwood Baptist Church exists for the purpose of sharing the love of God to any and all. Our desire is that in our efforts to do this, we can in some way touch your life and help you find the joy of knowing and living in a loving relationship with Jesus. Please feel comfortable in knowing that we're always available to minister to you. It would be our pleasure to talk with you about any decision that God may be leading you to make. Join us as we worship together and know that as God loves us, we love you. And may God bless you. We lift these requests up to you, Lord, and we're trusting in you. We're trusting that you not only hear us, but Father, we know that you love us. And we know that you will work all of the details of life out for whatever is best, whatever is good. And Father, we pray that you would do that. And we're praying for healing for those that need healing. We're praying for forgiveness for those that need that. We're praying for salvation of people who have never put their faith in you. Father, we're praying for marriages to be restored and friendships. All of these things we're lifting up to you and we're asking in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you would move in our lives, that you would change some circumstances, that you would draw us closer to you. So, Father, I pray now that as we look into your word, that you would challenge us and that you would speak to our hearts, that we might grow and change and become different people as we begin to be obedient to what you've told us to do. So, Lord, that is our prayer. So now I pray that as we come to that time of our service, speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you all be seated? It's good to see all of you here today. And, uh, I uh, hope you stick around for the meal today and help us out with this fundraiser. It's a good cause. How many of you remember back in 1972, there was a movie that came out named The Godfather. Remember The Godfather series? We all remember that, don't we? Especially the guys. We love that stuff. I think there was probably three of them. If you recall in the first one, uh, Michael Corleone um, was portrayed by Al Pacino and uh he became the godfather toward the end of that first movie. In the second one, he's now the godfather, and it shows the things that he's doing. He had a brother. Remember Fredo, his brother? And Fredo betrayed Michael. He did something to try to undermine him, and Michael found out about it. And there's a famous scene there in the movie where he comes up and he kisses Fredo. He says, I know it was you, Fredo. And it scares Fredo to death. Well... One of uh, Michael Corleone's, the godfather, one of his enforcers were standing there beside him, and he says to him, he says, don't touch him or do anything to him as long as my mother is alive. Now, the story goes on. The mother lived for several more years, and Fredo comes and lives with Michael. He's there on the estate. He's part of the family, and everything seems to be okay until the mother dies. And one day, one of the guys that work for the Godfather, they say to Fredo, let's go fishing. Take him out in a boat, and all of a sudden you hear a gunshot, and Fredo's dead. And the point was, Michael could not forgive. Michael couldn't let it go. And as the third one comes out in that series, you may recall that that was the thing that ate him up, was the guilt over having killed his own brother. Now today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture as we continue the story of Genesis and looking at Joseph and his brothers, because it, there was a point in time after the death of their father, Jacob, that the brothers who had sold him into slavery are asking the same question. They're saying, well, now that dad is dead, 
is Michael going to come back now? Or not Michael, Joseph. Getting my stories confused. But Joseph going to come back on us now and kill us and try to seek retaliation. So this is where we are today. And this is what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at this event as it's recorded for us in Scripture. We're going to talk a little bit to see what Joseph did in that situation, how he handled this situation of his brothers wondering this. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about why it's important. And we're also going to talk about how you do it. Uh, That's a big question with a lot of people. Okay, I know I'm supposed to forgive somebody, but just exactly what I'm supposed to, what am I supposed to do? So we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go through this. I want to jump right in to Genesis chapter 50. Now, if you can count, you know that we're almost to the end of Genesis. And uh, I'm not sure how many more sermons I'm going to get out of this, but we'll see as it goes on. But Genesis chapter 50, Jacob is dead. And now the brothers are beginning to ask the question. So we begin in chapter 50, verse 15. It says that when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph, he said. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. Now, there's a couple of things you need to look at, see, and and understand. They are sending a message by a messenger to Joseph. They're not coming face to face. Jacob did not tell them this. This is probably just made up because Jacob would have told Joseph that to forgive your brothers if he thought there was any problem. But for 17 years, they've lived there in Egypt. They lived together. So there was no reason to doubt it. But they conjure up this plan. We'll send a message saying that Dad told us to say this to you. Well, he really didn't. But the point is that when they do that, Joseph weeps. And we're not really told why. We'll talk about that a little bit later, Why I think what I think is going on. But let's look at the rest of the story. In verse 18, it says, His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So now they come to see him. And they throw themselves down and are basically saying, look, we'll become your slaves. Just don't kill us. And he had no intentions of doing that. And so through this ordeal, he reassures them and um, comforts them in, in this time. Now, basically, that's the end of the story. But what I want to talk to you about as we look at this is this idea of forgiveness. Because, folks, some of you have been deeply hurt by other people. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was your brother or sister or parent or friend or whatever. But you have been cut to the bone. There may have been physical abuse. There may have been sexual abuse. There may have been some other thing that happened in your life by some other person. And you are now hearing that, you know what, I'm supposed to forgive? And how is that going to come about? Now, I want you to understand, 
I don't doubt that this has happened, and I don't doubt that you feel this way. And if you don't, I'll bet it's safe to say that somewhere down the line in the future, you and I will be tempted to feel that way when somebody hurts us. I mean, who among us hasn't wanted to get even with somebody because of what they did to us? I think that's human nature. It make, doesn't make it right. It's just the way we are. And so God is saying to you and me that we need to now forgive instead of retaliation. Instead of vengeance, forgive. Now, before we go any further, let me give you a definition of what I think forgiveness is. And I've given this to you before, but let me give it to you again. Forgiveness is when you have the opportunity to make someone pay and you choose not to do it. When you have the opportunity or in a position to make them pay for what they've done and you choose not to, you choose rather to let it go, you choose to just... Uh, let it go without having any uh, consequences. You just say, you know what, we're not going to go there. And so you don't keep score, you don't retaliate, you don't go after them. You just are able to step back and wash your hands of it and say, you know what, it's done. And you don't seek any kind of retaliation. To me, this is what forgiveness is. Now, sometimes people have asked, well, does that mean that I have to forget it? Because we've been taught in the past that you have to forget, or if, if you don't, then you haven't really forgiven. Now, folks, that's not true. I don't know of anybody that can forget something that's hurt them deeply. I don't know that we're supposed to, necessarily. When the Bible talks about God has forgotten your sins and will remember them no more against you, then I don't think God forgets. I think that it's just saying He's not going to bring them up against you anymore. They're behind you. They're in the past. Um, I think that forgiveness means that we don't bring it up. We don't deal with it. We just let it go and trust God to deal with it. But to say that we have to forget in order to forgive, I think, is, is really asking something of somebody that's not possible. In time, hopefully you would forget, but probably not. Another question that comes up about forgiveness is this. Well, what if a law has been broken? If I'm going to forgive this person, do I then, does that then mean that I don't press charges or don't pursue legal uh, alternatives? Well, no, that doesn't mean that either. There may be times when you have to bring the law into it. If you're a battered wife, if there has been sexual abuse of a child or something, you have to pursue that simply because this person needs to stop doing that that they need to be halted and you need to protect others around you. But it doesn't mean that you personally can't come to some, some point of forgiveness. So there are times when legal matters and legal entanglements have nothing to do with forgiving the individual. And you need to understand that and be able to separate those two. There have been times in our lives, in our ministry, where people, I remember up in Indiana, there was a gal, and I've told you about her before, that her, grand, her father had molested all of her children over the years, and she didn't find out to them, find out about it until some of them were already grown. And so she, and he, still, he was still doing it to other people, other, other children. She pressed charges and sent him to prison, and he died in prison. Did she love him? Yeah, she loved him. Did she forgive him? Yes, she was able to establish a relationship with him and to forgive him and to let that go. But he still paid the price according to the law because of what he had done. So please don't believe or, or think that, okay, if I'm forgiving this person, 
that I don't press charges on things that might need to be pursued. So just keep that in mind. Here's the question I want to ask. Why is it important to forgive? Why is it so important to forgive? Well, there's several reasons here. The first one is because it's commanded. And that really should be the last reason. That pretty much says it all, doesn't it? But when God says to forgive, this is what he means. He means for you and me to forgive. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, look at this verse. He's talking to the church at Ephesus and he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He's commanding that of the church. The Great Commission, or I'm sorry, the Great Commandment, where God says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, he says the second one is just like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. That involves forgiveness. When he says in the Sermon on the Mount that if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well, he's talking about not retaliating when you're insulted or injured in some way. Let me say something real quick here, okay? This is not talking about self-defense. I've heard this taught before by people who didn't know what they were talking about that said that because of that verse there in the Sermon on the Mount, that you turn the other cheek means that you don't defend yourself. That is not true. If someone comes into your home, you have every right to defend yourself. Turning the other cheek has to do with insults. A slap on the cheek was an insult. It would be like somebody cursing you out, somebody saying something to you that hurts you deeply. He's saying, let it go. Forgive them. Turn to them the other cheek. If somebody comes into your home to do, to do bodily harm to you and your family, then defend yourself. That has nothing to do with this. If they come into your home and you run them out and you chase them two miles down the street to beat them up, that's a little bit different. Okay? Now that's something else. You're getting into retaliation there. But, but the point is that you are able to defend yourself. But at the same time, we are told to turn the other cheek when that becomes necessary. Here's one for you in Matthew chapter 18, in verses 21 through 22. This is Peter. Now Peter, he was always the guy piping up and asking the questions. And so here's the question that he asks when Jesus was talking about forgiveness. In verse 21, he says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Well, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter was being generous. He thought, hey, that's a lot, you know, but maybe seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. I think the King James says 70 times seven times. Now, the point is this. This is a figure of speech, a hyperbole, where you are exaggerating something in order to make the point. Jesus is saying, not seven times, Peter, but as many as it takes. As many as it takes. Really? Man, that's asking a lot, God. Yeah, I know. Now, folks, I'm I'm not saying that this is easy, nor is God saying that it's easy. But it's the right thing to do. And so when we talk about doing it, the reasoning behind it, the motivation behind it is, number one, it's commanded. It's told to us in Scripture that we are to be that kind of people. There's a second reason why we need to do it, and that is that it will affect you spiritually. When you harbor bitterness in your heart, when you seek to get even with somebody that has hurt you, when all you think about is, is getting even, 
It affects you spiritually. It affects your relationship and your walk with the Lord. Now look at this verse. This is one that has puzzled people for a long time. And we read this and we think, what in the world is this saying? The verse is in Matthew chapter 6. In verses 14 through 15, look at what it says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Oh. Okay, now what does this mean? Because I've had people ask me, say, Pastor, wait a minute. This person has hurt me deeply and I'm just, I'm just not there. You know, I can't forgive them. I can't let it go. I'm working on it, but I'm not there. Now, does this mean that I'm not going to go to heaven? Does this mean that I'm not saved? Does this mean that I'm not forgiven? No, that's not what it's talking about. I don't think that he's talking about eternal forgiveness, eternal salvation, eternal damnation. I think he's looking at you right now in this life that you're living. You want God's blessing. You want God's mercy on your life. Who doesn't? When I sin and I go before the Lord and I say, Lord, please uh, forgive me. I recognize and I accept my, my sin here. I've done it. What am I asking for? Mercy. Lord, let it go. Don't make me pay for this one. Don't bring about consequences in my life. Lord, go before me and, and straighten this thing out because I've made a mess of it. And when Jesus makes this statement, he says, look, if you can't do that in the life of another person, then the Lord isn't going to do it for you. And we suffer consequences of things that we do in life because we harbor bitterness in our heart. And basically what it's saying is this. God is saying, I'm not going to let you get by with that because you can't let them get by with what they've done. I hold you accountable just as you are holding them accountable. And so this affects me spiritually. It affects my relationship with the Lord in this life, right here and now. And some of you right now, your relationship with the Lord is strained. You seem so far away from God. It seems like God doesn't hear your prayers. And it's all because, and there are other reasons, but it could be, all because you harbor in your heart bitterness towards somebody else, and you cannot forgive. And if that's the case, then this is what you're, you're dealing with. This is what you're experiencing. One other thing in, in reasons why this is important. Why should I forgive? Uh, just I want to mention this. I'm not going to elaborate on it, okay? But it, the physical effects of unforgiveness. When you harbor bitterness in your heart, you, have, you can develop heart problems, depression. There are all kinds of things. These have been proven that this affects us physically. Now, that's all I want to say about it because I don't want to take the time to go into it. But these are good reasons. These are reasons why you need to take seriously this mandate, this command, this teaching in Scripture that you and I are to, are to forgive people. So now we come to the question that I really want to deal with here in the time we have remaining, and that is this. How do I forgive? How do I do it? Okay, I believe I ought to. I'm guilty of not forgiving, I'll admit that. I, I really have it in for that person. So now I come and ask, okay, how do I do it? Somebody tell me, how do I do it? I want to share with you three things out of this passage with Joseph that shed light on us this question of how to go about it. Now listen very carefully as I, as I develop these, okay? 
How do I do it? Number one, get off of God's throne. Get off of God's throne. This is the first thing that I say to you. Look at this verse in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. When Joseph has his brothers there before him, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid, now watch this, am I in the place of God? Basically he's saying, look, this is between you and God. If you believe and feel in your heart that you did me wrong, then deal with it between you and God because he's on the throne, I'm not. Now, this is ironic because this man, Joseph, was the second most powerful man in Egypt, the world power at that time, and effectively he's the second most powerful man in the known world. And he says, look, I know my place. I know my place. I'm not God. So I can't judge you guys. I can't, I'm not going to retaliate. This is between you and the Lord. And folks, let me tell you something. This question, am I in God's place, is something that we all should ask ourselves all the time. Because every time we take control of the situation, every time we go against what God has told us to do, we're basically saying, God, get off the throne and let me on. And I'm going to do things the way I want them done. And when it comes to forgiveness, we're notorious for this because God's not moving fast enough. Okay, God, take care of it. Go get them. And it keeps looking as though nothing is happening. And we keep saying, well, if you're not going to do it, I will. And we keep jumping back on the throne. Now watch this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Paul writing to the Roman church, he says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, it's very clear here. God says, I will take care of it. I will avenge it in whatever way I seem or see fit to do. It's up to me. I'm the one on the throne. I'm sovereign. You're not. And so I'll deal with it. Now, here's the question. You know, I think about this and I think, why doesn't God just let us deal with it? Wouldn't it be easier to, God, don't bother yourself with this. This person hurt me. I can take care of it. I can deal with it. Let me do it. Let me be your arm of justice. Let me be the one that deals with it. Let me get even with that ex of mine. Let me get even with that sibling of mine that took my inheritance or cheated me out of something. Let me get even with that boss that let me go for no apparent reason. Whatever the case may be, let me do it. And you know, you've got to ask yourself, why doesn't God do that? Why is God so adamant in Scripture that we leave it up to Him and not take responsibility for doing that? Why can't we do this? Let me share with you a couple of reasons why I think that that is the case, okay? Number one is this, that God knows the heart and we don't. God knows a person's heart. You don't. When things happen... There may be a reason behind it, what the person meant, what they were trying to do, and it just blew up, and that's not what they meant to do. The, the results were not what they wanted. I don't know that, but God does. I'm not in a position to know that, but He is. Here's another reason why we, we're not the ones to, to get even, and that is that God is just. We're not. Listen, let me tell you something. I have been around people who have been hurt, 
who want to get revenge. And if they were allowed to pursue that, they would kill. God is just. I'm not. I tell you right now, over the years, there have been things that have happened to me that you just want to go beat somebody up. And I have been tempted to take a swing at times. I have been tempted to do things like that. I'm not a just man when it comes to that, and neither are you. But God says, I am. That's why you leave it up to me. Because there are situations where God moves and, and, and evens the score. There are situations where God extends mercy and grace because he knows the person's heart. I don't know those things. So God says to you and me, don't do it. Now here's the third reason why God didn't let you and me do it. And that is that God has a purpose. God has a purpose. This big blow up, this thing that happened, this offense, this pain that, it, that has been caused in your life. Believe it or not, God has a purpose. And God can take that and not only work in your life, but work in the life of the person that is guilty. He can work in the lives of people around. God has a plan. Now let me show you this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, this is, we're picking it up in mid-sentence here. It's talking about God and His works, and it says, The plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Now that's telling you that God works out what? Everything. What about the pain and suffering you've experienced? What about the pain and suffering that Joseph experienced? God works out everything to the, conform with the purpose of His will. That God has a purpose in this. God can take it all and work it around and bring something good out of it. I can't, and neither can you. Look at in Genesis chapter 50 at verse 20, this story with Joseph. Joseph is talking to his brothers now, and he says in verse 20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now what is he saying? Look guys, you sold me into slavery and for 13 years I was either in prison or in servitude to somebody here in Egypt. I lived a horribly uncomfortable life for 13 years. You meant that for evil. God meant it for good. What am I telling you? God had a plan. God had a plan. Joseph recognizes this. And this is the reason why Joseph says... I'm not going to seek vengeance on you. I'll leave that up to God. That's between the two of you. But I recognize that God had a plan. Now, some of you right now, you're hurting. You're hurting. Somebody has hurt you deeply. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what you're going through, and I, and I, and I don't know how bad the circumstances, but I can tell you this, that this verse tells me that God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. We have to believe that. We have to believe and trust in the sovereignty and the integrity and the love and the grace of God. That God knows what He's doing. 
And every time, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Every time I take responsibility away from God and say, I'm going to deal with this, I just mess things up. And so do you. And so the first thing that I am telling you to do in way of of working your way around to being able to forgive somebody is that you've got to let God be on the throne and allow him. I use that term loosely because we don't really allow him. But in our own hearts to step back and say, God, I'm leaving it with you. Am I in your place? No. God, you deal with it. Here's the second thing that I want to encourage you to do. And that is to put yourself in the other person's place. To put yourself in the other person's place. I think this is a great exercise. To put yourself in their place to, find, to try to feel what it is that they're feeling. Now let me tell you something. I know it from my own life and I know it from dealing with a lot of you. That when it comes to this idea of getting back or getting even... We want justice on the other person when we've been hurt. We want them to pay. We want them to suffer. We want them to, 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 we want to get even some way. But when it comes to us, we want mercy. If I've done the same thing, I want God to be merciful to me. But if you've done it, I want justice. This is why I'm telling you to reverse the roles here. I assume the position of the one that has been the offender. And then I ask myself these questions. What must they be feeling? What, what do they want from me? How can I... If that was me, what would I want the person to say or do? And so you put yourself in their position. And this is a great exercise. Trading places. Now, I want you to notice something. In this text that we just read in Genesis, that they send the message, the brothers send the message to Joseph. And he reads the message, and then this is all we are told of his response. It says in verse 17, he wept. Why did he weep? Now, we're not told this, so I'm going to, all we do is speculate here as to what we think. But as I think about this, I would think that, you know, they've been living in Egypt for 17 years. What happened to him happened so many years ago. And as he reads this message from his brothers after all this time, he's feeling what they're feeling. The fear. The uncertainty. And he's thinking to himself, what must they have been going through all of these 17 years thinking that when dad dies, I'm coming, I'm coming after him. What must they have been thinking? And he sits there in the privacy of his own palace and he weeps over his family that he loves dearly. Now, folks, I believe that part of the process, if you will, of helping us to be able to forgive another person is to try to understand what it is, if I were in their position, that they would want. Now look at this verse. It's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul, again, writing to the Colossians, and he says, Bear bear with each other and forgive one another. 
If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now look at this. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's what you and I have got to do. When you start feeling anger and bitterness and hatred towards somebody and all you want to do is just go get them, you need to stop and look at yourself and say, wait a minute, there was a time in my life where that would have been me. And God forgave me. God forgave me. He wiped the slate clean. And He accepted me as His own. Why would I not do that for somebody else? Because this is what the verse is saying. You forgive them the same way God forgave your rotten soul. And folks, this is where what I'm talking about when I say to put myself in that position of being the offender. What would you want? Would you want justice or mercy? We all want mercy. You're in a position to give it. When you're the one that has been hurt, you're in a position to give that mercy. Here's the third thing that I want to share with you as far as being able to forgive. That is that you show your forgiveness. You not only forgive in your heart inwardly, but you've got to show it. Now watch this, okay? Going back to the story in Genesis, chapter 50, verse 21. This is what he says to his brothers. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. See, Joseph didn't just say, okay, guys, you're forgiven. Now go back over there to Goshen and live there, and we just don't have to be friends anymore. He said, hey, listen to me. I not only do I forgive you, but let me show you my forgiveness. I will provide for you and your family. You'll never have to worry about a thing. And I love you, and I will never come after you. I reassure you of that. And it says that he spoke kindly to them. Now, folks, we are notorious for saying, I forgive you. But I've seen it with my own eyes in churches that I've been in where people would leave the church because somebody that they supposedly forgave now attends the church. I've seen people leave churches over fights. Oh, I forgive them, Pastor, but I'm not going to be in the same room with them. Well, who are you kidding? Really, come on. And we're notorious for that. And we don't understand that forgiveness is more than just saying it. Forgiveness is also showing it. People say, okay, well, what if they don't repent? What if they don't ask for my forgiveness? What am I supposed to do then, Pastor? I just love people sometimes. So stinking self-righteous. What am I supposed to do then, Pastor? Like, tell me. So I tell them, forgive them anyway. What the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, wait till they come to you and ask or wait till they repent. God said, if they've offended you, forgive them. Oh my gosh, that's hard, isn't it? How do you forgive somebody and let it go when they don't even want to admit they've done wrong? That's hard. But you know what? There's a verse in the Bible in Romans where Paul makes this statement. He says, while you were still sinners... Christ died for you. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. What does that mean? It means He provided forgiveness for you before you ever asked. 
God didn't wait. And folks, let me tell you something. They may not ever ask. Hopefully they do, but they may not ever. It's your responsibility to clean the slate. It's your responsibility to let it go. Now let me say this, in point of clarification here, okay? If the person never, ever admits they've done wrong, if they never acknowledge that, if they never come to you, then it's pretty safe to say that the relationship will never be restored. That's different than forgiveness. I can forgive you whether you ever want to have a relationship with me or not. I can forgive you. Now, if they come, then praise the Lord, then the relationship can be rebuilt. It may take some time. But forgiveness is something that you make a choice to give. You make a choice to do, whether they are receptive or not. Now, let me illustrate this for you. There's a parable in the Bible called the prodigal son. You know the parable. You know the story. This young man wants to go run amok throughout the world and spend his fortune. And he says to his dad, give me my inheritance now because I want to go blow it, basically. And so he gives it to him. His dad lets him go and he goes and he blows it. He finds himself eating in the pig trough when he's lost all of his money. And he's been immoral and all these other things that the Bible talks about. And he's in, the, he's in the lowest point of his life. And the Bible says that he looks up and he begins to think to himself, if I go home, I cannot possibly expect my dad to forgive me. But what I can do is hope that he will at least let me be one of his servants. Same thing the brothers said to Joseph. Let us be your slaves. And so he, he makes his way home, and the Bible tells us that dad's been looking out at the horizon every day. And when the sun shows up, the dad runs out to meet him. He puts a robe on him and a, and a ring, and he has a big banquet, and he says, this is my son. Their relationship is restored. The son came home, and the relationship was restored. Let me ask you this question. When did the dad forgive the son? The day he left. The day he left. That dad's been waiting all this time. There was no forgiveness to offer. The dad had already accepted him. The dad said, this moment I saw you, forget about the, the past. The past is the past. I forgave you. Now we can be restored. Now, folks, that's two different things. Your forgiveness is something that you give out of obedience to God. The restoration, prayerfully and hopefully, can come later. But it may not ever come. But forgive anyway. So as we look at this passage or the story, how do we forgive these three things? You get off of God's throne. You stop trying to take charge. You put yourself in that person's place. And every chance you get, you reach out and you show through kind acts that you forgive. Let them know that you have forgiven them in an effort to try to help them to see and see if the relationship can't be restored. You know, I know from experience, and I know from dealing with people, that bitterness will lead you to bondage. It will put you in prison for the rest of your life. It's just something that just grips your soul, and it's all you can think about. You're bitter, you're unforgiving, you hate somebody desperately, and all you can think about is how they wronged you. And you know something that doesn't affect them at all, it affects you. 
But I can tell you this, that when you step back and you allow God to deal with this situation, and I'm going to trust you in this, Lord, and I'm going to let this go, then there's freedom. There really is. And it's almost as if my, my spiritual life takes on a whole new dimension. And now I can walk in obedience and in fellowship and closeness with the Lord like never before. That's why it is so important that you forgive. Now, folks, several places and several verses that we read here talked about, I'm to forgive because God has forgiven me. And you may be sitting here this morning and you don't understand that. You don't understand how God can forgive you for all the things you've ever done wrong or ever will do. I want to read you this verse and then we're going to close, okay? Here's the verse. It's in Acts chapter 13. It's in verse 39. Now listen to the verses I read it, okay? It says, Through him, talking about Jesus, through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Let me explain it to you. The word justified is just another word for forgiven. So let's plug that in. Through him, Jesus Christ, everyone, that's everybody, everyone who believes is forgiven of everything you could not be forgiven of by the law of Moses. The law of Moses are the commandments. You know, it amazes me how many times people that I talk to think that, well, in order to get to heaven, you have to obey the commandments. Well, do you really think that's possible? Can you do that? Can you do it all the time, 100% without any error? Well, no. Then why would you say something like that? How good do you think you need to be? Well, you, 8 out of 10. You know, most of the time. And the standard just keeps getting lower and lower, you know. I say, doesn't that seem foolish to you? That God would put you out here, he would send his son to the cross and then say to you that unless you can be obedient in all these commandments, you're going to go to hell. And then the question kind of, you know, we beg the question here, well, what did he die for? He died so you could go to heaven. He died for your forgiveness. He was the sacrifice, the payment. And this is what the verse is saying, that through him, every one of you who put your faith in Christ, you believe. You believe that he was the sacrifice, the savior of the world, the one that died on the cross and, was, and rose again. You believe that. He says then, you're forgiven. All of the things that you have ever broken, every commandment that you ever broke in your life is forgiven. Folks, that's how much God loves you. And if it wasn't for that, then we could not forgive anybody else. But because of that, we can do what God asks us to. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment. You know, if you're sitting here this morning and you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never put your faith in Him, you've never accepted the sacrifice that He made, the forgiveness that He offers, you know, the Bible's pretty clear on this, that by faith you're saved. Whosoever believes is saved, forgiven. It's free. Will you do that? Right here where you sit. Nobody involved in this but just you and God. Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Right there where you sit, just call on Him and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. 
I'm guilty. But I believe that Jesus died for me. And I'm trusting in Him to save me. Will you do that? The Bible says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As you sit here this morning, you are calling on His name. That's what you're doing. And on the authority of God's promise, you have eternal life. You're forgiven. It's that simple. If you have any questions or would like to talk about this more with me, I would love to talk with you personally, privately. There are some yellow cards in the front of your seat, the seat back in front of you. Just drop it in the offering plate. I would be more than happy to give you a call, sit down with you and explain this further. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow before you, Father, we are ashamed as we stand before you and we, we, we realize the forgiveness that you've given us, we are ashamed that we are so reluctant to give that forgiveness to others. Lord, help us to be different people. Help us to take seriously our walk with you, our relationship with you, and let go of the bitterness to, to put it into your hands and say, Lord, you take care of this. That we might trust you with this issue with this problem. But Father, help us to be that kind of people. Help us, Lord, to forgive as we have been forgiven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.